0: Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning back into the Guardians Mental Health Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Joe. Unfortunately, this week we did not record an episode. Uh, we've been busy with the GCX online expo. We're one of the main exhibitors and hosting a booth there. So if you're around this weekend when this releases, stop by, say hi to us. But we did host a panel talking about parasocial relationships and mental health. We would love for you to take a listen to that. So, we have for you that panel to listen to. Hope you enjoy it. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening.
1: welcome to this amazing group of people that you will come to know within this hour as we discuss uh, parasocial relationships and as we move forward we're going to introduce um, everybody just really really quick Um, why don't we start with and I'm looking at the screen and I'm like where which corner do I want to start with Um, but Dr. Emery why don't you introduce yourself
2: Absolutely. Hi, I am Dr. Emery Daniel. I am an assistant professor at Appalachian State University in the mountains of Boone, North Carolina. Uh, I'm in the communication department and uh, my big specialty is uh, working with parasocial relationships. So this is right up my alley. And anytime somebody says, let's do something on parasocial relationships, I usually jump right in and do it. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Dr. Fashad, please. So
3: you're gonna wish you had that pronunciation guide. I know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, I knew it
1: as it came out. Can we chalk it up to anxiety? Sure.
3: Okay. Yeah. Appreciate that. I am. Uh, I'm Dr. Ariane Fascio. Um oh, I oh, Samsonite. I was way off. It's okay. It's okay. It's one of those Louisiana French names. Um, I am an assistant professor in the School of Communication at Florida State University where I study all things, new media entertainment, including video games, parasocial relationships, just kind of anything sort of new and technology-y um, that that seems interesting and fun. That's what I'm into. So super stoked to be here, especially with these guys. Everybody here is cool people. So it <laughs> should be fun.
1: And, because I don't want to butcher any more names, Dr. Stephanie.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I like it. I like it. I've actually gotten Dr. Steph from students before. I don't know where it comes from. Uh, Yeah. Hey, everybody. I'm Dr. Steph Orm. I'm an assistant professor of communication and media studies at Emanuel College in Boston. Uh, I do a lot of research on geek culture, uh, specifically the video game industry and gaming culture. And lately I'm doing a lot of research on uh, streaming and uh, let's play videos.
1: Awesome. Thank you. And last but not least, Dr. Bean. I am uh, Dr. Anthony Bean, and I am
0: a professor, assistant professor. And I don't know how it depends on everyone. I'm not like employed heavily by by the college at Framingham State University in Massachusetts. Um, I also am uh, the creator of uh, Geek Therapeutics, and I run a nonprofit down here in Texas uh, called the TELOS Project. And we uh, do a lot of research with video games, mental health, and how can we utilize all of these different geek cultural artifacts for uh, mental health and well-being.
1: Awesome. And my name is Matthew. I am a licensed clinical social worker, not a doctor. So I'm one of the things that don't belong on this panel. But what I'd like to sort of jump into um, is exactly if whoever, and we're going to keep this sort of like a roundtable style so that nobody's really set into you know, talking about one thing. But whoever would like to give the viewers and give the people at home on the spaceship, excuse me, on the spaceship, what exactly are parasocial relationships?
3: Yeah, I'll I'll jump in here. Um, Sure. It's actually really interesting because I was on Reddit earlier today and someone in the wild mentioned parasocial relationships. And I was like, ah, Um, but essentially parasocial relationships um, got their start in terms of an object of study Um, in the 50s. um, These guys named Horton and Wall were sociologists and they were noticing this phenomenon, particularly with talk show hosts um, and and newscasters, things like that, where people tended to react as though um, the interactions they were having with these, these newscasters or whatever, felt like real interactions, right? So if they they re- reacted as though um it was happening in real life. Now obviously these newcasters newscasters um weren't speaking directly to you know Steph or Emery or whoever. Uh, they're talking generally to a broad audience but our brains don't evolve that fast right so um it in many ways it still feels like that same sort of um, interaction. So over time, um, these repeated interactions really develop into a full-blown relationship. So it, it's really a situation where uh, you come to find that a media persona seems to be a friend or an enemy. Um, you can have parasocial hate, you know, just like in real life, you have a nemesis, Emery is my nemesis. Mm-hmm. Um, arch, arch nemesis. Yes. Yes. Um, so, oh, I choice. can't wait
2: for this arc. Yeah, we've it, got it, kind it, of a, a solid choice, guys. We've got kind of a Midoria <laughs> and Bakugo kind of relationship. I was going to go Hugan Train. I think I'm.
3: I'm the Bakugo here, but that's, um, that's fair. Yeah, it, you can have that sort of relationship with media characters as well. My favorite example of that is Joffrey from Game of Thrones. No one likes him. <laughs> Right <laughs> nobody yeah. I've yet to ever meet somebody that was like Joffrey, yeah,
4: but he's no. a, he's a he's great my guy he's a great character, like not yeah. like he's a great person, no. right, but he's such a great right. character because you can like really hate him, right, yeah like develop yeah. a strong
3: feeling towards him, yeah-, mm-hmm. so it's still in in many ways a parasocial relationship, um just kind of a parasocial hatred, right. Yeah. and um, traditionally, as I mentioned the this sort of concept or construct really was all about newscasters and and really real people um but people realize, hey, in fictional characters, our brains still work exactly the same way mm-hmm. um and we We love these characters. We hate these characters. We get upset when these characters are no longer with us, which to me is the most fascinating thing. It's something called a parasocial breakup. Um, When you don't have access to this character anymore, you feel sad, like you've lost a friend. And if you don't believe me, go on YouTube and look (laughs) up Red Wedding Reaction videos (laughs) and tell me that people weren't upset when that happened um and so uh, funnily enough with media media research media effects communications research everything old becomes new again uh because originally we're we're talking about newscasters uh or talk show hosts or you know real people then we kind of move into the fictional character realm and now we're moving back to real people with things like let's plays streaming um even social media. Um, so I'd like to, I, you know, I'll let some other folks um, jump in on this too. Um, but I mean, it's super fascinating.
2: Yeah. I mean, and, and I'd like to kind of piggyback off of that. It's, it's interesting because not only you're dealing with um, something called identification where um, you feel like if it's a fictional character or if it's a newscaster, or if it's a streamer, you really have this mentality of, I feel like this person, I agree with this person, I want this person to succeed. So like, if they triumph, we triumph. And that's a major component of these emotions that feel so real with parasocial relationships. And that's, One of the facets I found so interesting when we did a study again on Game of Thrones um, back in 2017 was this ideology of when a character dies, do we feel that same heartache like you would in real life? Like so we did on the Kugler-Ross model uh, for a Game of Thrones character. I won't spoil who it is, Um, but it is one of those things that it was actual anguish for that person. And they were like, I'm taking a day off work because there's a death in my family, it feels like, (laughs) uh, because they felt that distraught. Um, But with that though, and and I like what you were mentioning, Ariane, this idea of how we've transitioned over the years. Because when we looked at parasocial relationships, the the area that we we were always most concerned about was the person that was on screen couldn't interact back with the audience. See, that was like the main facet that inter- that differentiated a social relationship from a parasocial one is that the person that was on screen couldn't say anything to that person. Um, whereas now we have things like social media, whereas now we have Twitch chats uh, to where if a streamer or an influencer were to see a comment from somebody, they could interact back. Well, now that throws everything (laughs) for a loop because now we've kind of transitioned from what we've known as parasocial for a very long time um, to the point where uh, it's kind of made a resurgence, not only from the research side, which is cool that it has, but also within the kind of the public sphere where streamers will come in and say, I'm having a parasocial relationship or a viewers having a parasocial relationship with me, and I do not feel the same way. And so, I mean, just kind of as a timeline of it, I think this has just become a very fascinating subject. It's one that has become incredibly important, not just for big name celebrities anymore. It can be a nano influence. It can be a streamer with five viewers consistently, these feelings, not only from the viewer, but now from the streamer, are very real and are considered very important to them. So um, I'll stop there. But I, I just, again, I think this has become a very relevant topic and an important one for such a growing field uh, like influencing and streaming.
1: Yeah, and I'll, I I I like that because it also it also says you don't need to necessarily have thousands upon thousands of viewers when it comes to parasocial relationships, you know, there things in social media that you see as like comfort streamers, right? Who, you know, sometimes they, you know, comfort streamers could absolutely have thousands, but you do see that you tend to see like a little bit of a smaller number, like 20, 30, but the connection to that streamer is really what is, or not necessarily a streamer, but a YouTube personality, anything like that is what seems to be so strong and very important, which I guess kind of leads into something that I'm genuinely curious about too, is why and how sort of these relationships form? What's the what's the reasoning versus is there a biological component? Is there strictly just the social component? How does it seem to form? Um,
3: so, just to sort of reiterate that back because they're saying you're a little bit quiet. Um, so the question mm. here is how how do these parasocial relationships form? Um, what what's the processing? like you know um and having been looking in the chat a little bit a little bit of parasocial interaction in a sort of microchasm here um it is something that pretty much everyone does um to some degree um some people are certainly more prone than others i think it's just a trait you know you're more likely potentially more um empathetic, perhaps, um, you know, those are things that we could probably study more. I don't know that we have, or, and I'm not (laughs) saying we, as in the people here, we, as in the research community. Um, and some people have found some variables that are indicative of potential parasocial relationship formation. Um, some from the superficial, like how attractive the person is. Mm-hmm. Um, we we don't want to be friends with ugly people. <laughs> um, or orange I, I, tabby cats. <laughs> orange tabby cats. I no only way. want
1: to be friends with
0: orange tabby <laughs> cats, though. That's like <laughs> I, I I wasn't saying that was for me.
3: Yeah, my for my cat, she doesn't want to be friends with orange tabby cats that hang out outside my house. Um. Or, you know, th- things like, is this a relatable person? So um, characters that are quote unquote Mary Sues um, tend to be difficult to form relationships with because people can't relate. And even when a character is in a in a um, fantasy setting or um, has like crazy powers or something, um, people still need to feel like they're acting as... As a real person would in that setting. Um, otherwise, it's like okay, like this isn't a real thing. You don't want to break that feeling, like that that feeling of this is a, a real, true person. Um, so there are there are variables like that. Um, as as I sort of alluded to before, and I would be curious to to look up and see if there are like fMRI studies on this. Um, I don't know any off the top of my or head. What is
4: fMRI? Like,
3: Oh, sorry. That's whenever they put you in an MRI machine and study your brain oh, waves. Oh, right. Right, 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 Okay. Functional Got
0: magnetic it. resonance imaging.
3: Got there it. You go. Got it. Um, so, I, I would be curious to see if there were any of those. Um, I don't know any off the top of my head, but essentially, your brains, as, as I kind of alluded to before, are still very much in lizard brain mode. Um, we we can't evolve fast enough to keep up with changes in te- technology. It's not possible. So, our brains still very much act as though, um, you know, it's real. Right. I
4: know one of the things historically that research has looked at the kinds of people who form these relationships, especially even with like the game show hosts and things, right? And the like broadcasters in the earliest research were also like people who were kind of socially isolated. Um, So people who didn't necessarily have other social connections. I think that's something that's also really interesting to think about talking about, you know, the evolution of parasocial relationships uh, in the age of Twitch, right? In the age of social media. So uh, Mm -hmm. people who are maybe really drawn to Twitch communities to chat and interact with others, or even the streamer. If the streamer is not, you know, um, again, they perceive the streamer as talking to them. And again, they're talking to like their whole community, right? But I think that can be a really comforting thing to someone who otherwise has no other social outlets right uh, something that I have found in some of my own recent research is, is you know having a sense of vicarious achievement um, you know which I think of as related to identification which Emery brought up earlier um, you know so seeing a streamer succeed in something right can fill a viewer with a lot of excitement Um, and even that sense that they too have somehow played a role in that person's success or, you know, just being excited and feeling elevated by them. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, there's, again, I think it all kind of comes down to personal individuals and and cognitive makeup and and even social makeup in some ways. Um, but we can see some of those parallels from the oldest models of media, I think also playing out in interesting ways and new interactive media as well.
2: And and I do think historically, there's something to be said for that social isolation model. Um, there are areas to where they would say, a research would say, this is more of a compliment to kind of boost other relationships that a person has. So it's like, if you were to be a particularly extroverted person, this would just be a cherry on top that you're having uh, this connection with. Um, and I will say that things like Uh, parasocial relationships are ubiquitous. They are constantly everywhere around you, um, whether it be something considered trivial like sports or, um, you know, gaming or something like that, even though I think those things are incredibly important. It transcends to things like politics, for example, what we would consider, quote, more important. Um, And we have those relationships with people that are streamers, politicians, what have you. Um, So, I, I always kind of challenge people when they say, Well, I don't have parasocial relationships. That's things that's fake. And that's, you know, for kids when they're watching television show. I'm like, no, 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 no. If you've never had an actual drink with a politician, you don't know that person. And even if you have, you don't really know that person. So, you know, you can't really say, Well, this is what that person would do in a situation like that. Um, the other thing I want to mention is that this particular theory it kind of stems under something called space uh social presence and social presence ultimately is this illusion of technology when you're watching something so i don't know if this is something that where it stems from but it enhances it for what streamers do so well which streamers come in and say, hey, y'all, hope y'all are doing well. Uh, we're going to talk about this today. would love your input. And then at, at, you would look at something like the sign-off. It was like, it was so wonderful for y'all to come and join my stream. Love you guys. Care about you. Come join the Discord in the conversation. We'd love for you to be part of our community. And for many people, um, that may be a call to say, "While wow, <laughs> that person, that streamer doesn't really love me. But it may be kind of a community familial Kind of love and respect that that you know a community would have on 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 uh, a Twitch or Discord, and that too, a lot of people is really special. And so, for things like that, that can elevate a PSR very quickly to where it's almost like this person wants it to be more than what the streamer thinks it is or wants it to be. Because our research um, between Ariane, Steph, and I really centered around that was how much does a streamer actually feel like this is an actual relationship? So, uh, and again, it can move very fast where one person has one interaction with a streamer or an influencer and like, I really like this person. I'm going to keep following, whether they're attractive, whether they're credible, these are all variables that really bring people to the table uh, to where they want to participate and they want to stay.
0: I would I would say that that's uh would be a good resemblance of that honestly it would be when when Emory and I first met in person he took a picture of me and texted me <laughs> you know uh, he's like hey now we're in this relationship here um, but but I think that <laughs> another aspect. What
1: a creep. <laughs> what- <laughs> right that's what that's right i I think I was you are taking this action. so out of context so now we're going to have such an active setting. imagination <laughs> we're, we're going we're going into the boundaries of aspects of
0: everything
1: <laughs> correct absolutely absolutely it was a great transition thank you, were you. waiting for that but,
0: but it, it's also the the idea of of the idea of the mental health of not just the streamer but the person who's having that parasocial relationship which is kind of a little bit more of what we work with um, as as a, a licensed clinician, is how do we get them out of that parasocial relationship, and how do we get them into uh, a place of, of understanding that while I may interact with them in an online format or watch them on something, there is not necessarily a relationship there. And I know one of the big ways that we we tend to to do that is we we ask certain questions of oh how do you know this person why watch them on TV. Well, how have you interacted with them? Well, I haven't. Where are you going to a con or something along those lines to to really kind of meet them? Really cool. You know, you're going to have these types of uh, interactions with them. But it's also important to make sure that when we work with the mental health, not just of streamers, but as the on the other side, as the people who are having these these events, uh, we we have to make sure that they are prepared and ready to know that the person's gonna look great in a picture and you're gonna have a fond memory of that picture, but they're not going to remember you after that when they do this picture signing, when they have to do 1600 of them in less than two hours. And that's, that's okay. That, that's not anything negative towards you. It's in nature of the business on some level too. And it's okay to have those, those feelings, but also being able to, to know where, where that line is and how do we make sure we don't cross that line into crazy stalking territory.
1: I will say the first time that I've, uh, on a clinical sense, was exposed to, and back then I actually didn't even know the name, but to this idea of parasocial relationship was more so of a grief process. Actually, um, you know, unfortunately, I had a lot of clients at the time who were very familiar and loved Etika, who and a lot of his, you know, a lot of his issues and a lot of things were very public and very publicized. Um, and I remember I had that day three clients come in. Significantly affected as if this was a family member to realize that he passed. So, and I think Dr. Bean, you're right. For clinicians, it is very, very important to recognize that these relationships are going to mimic the same, if not, well, it's going to mimic the exact same symptoms even if it's not a family member even if it's not somebody who's close even if it's somebody that they've sort of watched through a screen because and the more you, you the more i listen to a lot of these stories and what the relationship was you know they grew up watching youtube videos loved the reactions to to certain things this was somebody that they felt strongly for and so it is clinically it is important for all clinicians i guess in a sense to be able to recognize that work with it but to also address it and make it into more of a healthy manner which I guess does lead into sort of the next thing. When does this? When do parasocial relationships become negative, or when do when do they become bad, or when do they have the capacity to become bad? I I should say. I
2: I think there's something to kind of make a. Um, I think there's something that needs to be kind of addressed with this because there is what we're calling negative parasocial relationships where you would have a media figure that you do not like. And this isn't one of those, I love to hate this you know, bad person. This is, I'm actually having difficulty watching this program. And to where a lot of scholars would say, there's no such thing as a negative parasocial relationship because you could just leave. And from what Ariane was saying with Joffrey and maybe Ramsey on Game of Thrones, uh, it, to some extent, I hate to say it, it's hard to leave. Because I loved that show so much at the time that even though I was watching these uh, terrible things, um, it was very difficult uh, for me to keep watching. But you know, I kind of stayed with it. As far as the dangers of parasocial relationships, this was actually something. And Steph, maybe you want to take a little bit of a crack at this one because um, we actually kind of found some examples on Twitter um, about where streamers were expressing these dangers that they were having with their audience members.
4: Yeah, yeah. Kind of one of the things that had jump-started some of our research into this was uh, me and Emery having a conversation about tweets where uh, streamers were talking about kind of the voyeuristic nature of Twitch. You know, like, I mean, you're letting people into a huge part of your private life, right? When you decide to stream. Um, I mean, even right now, like, most, except for Matt, but most of us, like, you can see the rooms we're in, Right? I'm in like my guest room with my messy, unmade bed that Emery called me out on before we went live. Um, you know, or <laughs> thanks, buddy. Um, but like, you really you know, like are becoming
1: the villain
2: here,
4: I would sit there. And really like, are. If, we
2: learn, if we've learned nothing else from this panel, <laughs> is that Emery is a jerk.
4: Everyone's going to develop a negative relationship. I
2: second this notion.
4: I mean, maybe, oh,
3: doria uh, maybe you are more the Bakugo.
2: I could very well be, I mean, given my track reputation here.
4: <laughs> but, but like, you know, the things that you choose to like display in your rooms, right? Like the posters on the wall, or like the decor you have, or like Anthony's many degrees, or, you know, that, that are- that's not, oh my gosh, she's
0: transitioning <laughs> off, you, you
1: are you. I got you. you. No,
4: just get in. Just get in. You are too much. Um, no, no, no. <laughs> but, but no. I'm saying, like, these the spaces that you're in and that you choose to display to people, right? Like, communicate something about you. Uh, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. And, uh, you know, so you're letting people into this very private window of your life. And some people take that really far, right? And and you know, think that in inviting you into sort of this space, right, temporarily, that that's also an invitation for. Like real friendship, right, um, or romantic relationships in some case. So that was like something we were finding where streamers talking about issues they had had with members of their community sort of overstepping those boundaries, right, and making them uncomfortable. Um, in the most extreme senses, you know, that was things like stalking, right, and showing up at people's houses or sending unsolicited gifts and things like maybe hoping for something to come of that relationship as a result, you know, to, to kind of more benign things, but like constantly messaging them as if, you know, like it was, you know, just the five of us, like, Hey, you want to hang out kind of thing. Right. And so, um, yeah, we were just finding that this is something that, you know, obviously streamers want to build community, but how do you sort of, uh, define that barrier between having, you know, a, a, uh online presence right and then also maintaining boundaries between your private life and having community members respect that does that kind of answer your question then sort of along
2: yeah and i mean i i will say that the majority of what was talked about was not to that extreme although there were instances that were occurring uh steph and i'm, I'm really glad that you addressed that because it needs to be addressed um that it can get into some very dicey and uh scary examples uh i mean this kind of came up in terms of conversations where um some research letters that i would talk to say well there's no such thing as parasocial interaction and relationships on stream and the reason for that is because the streamer can talk back they have the capacity to do so and it wasn't until one of our interviews that we were talking to a streamer and they said well what about lurkers there are people that are who are watching on their playstation and they're not going to use the keyboard function because why would you? Um, Because it's gonna take a long time to type. And so what would happen is from the stream, then to the con, this person would come up to a streamer saying like, this is my best friend. I am so glad to see you. Uh, And the streamer would have no idea, not even through a username no idea who this person was. And so for the most part, it was in many ways less scary, but more awkward um, to where they'd almost, the streamer would almost take this uh, personally where they were like, I feel like I should know this person. They feel so strongly about me. And yet I don't even know their username or I don't know their name. This is so weird. Um, And so, I mean, this is why uh, many streamers would sit there and say, this is why I have group meetings, you know, group get togethers. So I'll post on my Twitter saying, hey, I'm going downstairs at the, um, you know, the merch floor or whatever, and say, come join me down there. Um, And they would, and and they'd have a whole crowd around them. And for the most part, uh, that would make them feel a little bit better. But I will say as an observation that didn't come up in the actual interview, but it was just really interesting to see was that when streamers were walking around the floor at conventions we were at, their mods would be right there standing next to them. And it was almost like, (laughs) it was almost like, uh, what was it? That scene from, uh, I forget the movie where they act as a buffer or somebody be like that. So-and-so they come to something in your chat, you know, them because, Um, and to me, oh, Delaware's Prada, uh, where Anne Hathaway is kind of saying to Meryl Street, you know, this person because they're et cetera, et cetera. And that's fantastic movie, by the way. Yeah. It's a fantastic movie, (laughs) but it, it just felt so odd to me that I'm like, you, you're, you're bringing your mod around you at all times. And the mods like, well, yeah, because for the most part, my, the streamer here doesn't even know what's going on. It's me who's, uh, handling all the messages.
4: Yeah. I mean, especially if the streamer is like playing a game or something, right? Like they can't possibly keep track of what's going on.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And think about it too. If you have a streamer who is, who's got like thousands and thousands of of viewers, it is, it's much harder to sort of keep a track and understand as to who is, who is the most active, who is doing this, who is really talking You'd have no idea. It really is that devil's, a devil wears Prada Sort of situation like, well, no, no, this is so and so he's been within the chat since kind of like day one and doing really well. Say hi to them.
3: (laughs) I think um, an interesting thing that you've brought up, too, is this notion. Yeah, people are like, I can't be parasocial, but it's really about the imbalance. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, The audience member in this case knows an awful lot about the streamer, or at least they think they do. They perceive that they do the streamer knows next to nothing about the audience member. And even if they are capable of, you know, putting something in the chat, you know, saying, you know, thanks for whatever, 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 responded to them on Twitter, whatever. They still don't know who they are, you know? And that I, I think is, a, you know, it, it is different when it's a fictional person, right? Because you have no hope that this person knows who you are because they don't exist, right? Um, you know, Captain America, not a real person. Whoever, not a real person. I'm sorry if
1: I've <laughs> How just... dare you? <laughs> I was just about to say, you stop it. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America you know. is real to me.
3: <laughs> <laughs> maybe, Maybe the true Captain America is the friends we made along the way. Oh um, good
1: one.
0: I, I think know, it's also and
1: I need to leave, thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also think it's important to, to know that w- while we're talking about streamers and, and, and them specifically, this also happens with anime characters, with yeah. other types of media. So it's it's not just on, on an anime on an animated platform of let's say twitch or youtube or something like that it it goes into a lot of different things whether it's reading a manga whether it's reading a book people have had these relationships with people of an author of a book just because they read everything that they have and like oh my god i love this person you're like you're loving the characters and the mindscape of that of that person and that's just a tiny portion of them that that's not what Mm -hmm. encompasses it all like when we work with with parents and kids who are worried about getting so many likes on Instagram, or so many uh, things on on Facebook, they're they're really worried about that outward shell. And we try to make sure that we tell them like, look, social media and everything else is a shell of who you are. It's not truly representative of you. That's what they get to see. That is not what they get to know. So if you don't know all these other things, which if you don't share them, or you don't know uh, specifics about them, because you're really deep friends with them, then you're not going to know that person, and you are have this image in your mind of how this person actually is, or the character that they're playing, which is why supernatural the the show was so popular because of not just the mental health themes but because of the way that the characters portrayed their character and they fell into it. and I think that is one of the big big things that we definitely want to make sure that comes into play because I, I know when, and sorry if you guys haven't seen it, but like Escannor from the Seven Deadly Sins man.
4: Uh it's, it's, it's no a, it's, it's a heartbreaking,
0: it's a heartbreaking stuff coming up guys. All right. But Escanor, he's, he's, he's one of my favorite ones and, uh, it's, it's hard. It's the hard thing coming.
3: Yeah. I mean, you know, I... literally w- w- the first, um, introduction that I had to parasocial relationships when I was in college working with a woman named, uh, Dr. Megan Sanders over at Louisiana state university, uh, go Tigers. Um, <laughs> And she, I was working as an undergrad research assistant with her, and she, we, nothing wound up coming up with this project, but just to illustrate kind of what we're talking about here, the one of the first projects she had me working on was um, at the time this show House was a big show, um, and a character in the show Cutner rather abruptly committed suicide on the show. Um, It wasn't really telegraphed and like people didn't know this was coming um, because the actor left the show and there were Facebook groups that came about that were like in memory of this character. And um, she had me go through the Facebook page and kind of pull all of the, all of the stuff that people were saying. And people were literally acting as though this was someone they knew. Like if you've ever had, you know, someone that you know on Facebook pass away, um, you, you kind of know how people will then go on their page. Like, you know, I, it was just yesterday that I spoke to you and things like that, kind of like memorializing them. And people were doing that to this fictional character. Um, and, and so it, we totally just react that way, even when it is a fictional character. The difference is that fictional characters can't respond to us and streamers can. And I think sometimes people forget that it is parasocial. Um and so, you know, there's that that line, like, oh, I'm gonna shoot my shot, I'm gonna slide into the DMs, right? Um it maybe in a romantic sense, maybe just like um, you know hey, I want to be friends because there's kind of a perception that maybe, just maybe, it it can become a two-sided thing. And I think that is part of the danger, particularly with streamers and YouTubers or even celebrities, right? Um, Because it's not, it's parasocial still, but there's that perception that because it's a real person, because they can respond to me, maybe it might not be parasocial forever.
1: And I think there, like you said, kind of does lie more on maybe on a clinical sense, the need for clinicians to continue to promote more positive interactions within an individual social circle, right? Not necessarily needing to um, remove any of the you know positive coping skills, but more so to help to teach uh, better engagement with peers, other members, things like that. Um, to mitigate sort of the potential for that negative parasocial relationship, right? Because I see sort of over and over on social media too, right? There is this, and it's becoming more popular, I've noticed on social media, this aspect of parasocial relationships. I've seen YouTubers kind of talk about it, joke about it for the most part, but there was a TikTok, and yes, I said TikTok as a 30-year-old man, um, that really did speak about, um, you know, a a fellow Twitch streamer who was kind of having a hard time because somebody that they looked up to kind of got caught up in a, in a controversy and now it's, you know, their whole world or their whole view of this person has completely changed, but they never met them once. And it really is this odd, you know, at least the way that it was described in this TikTok, it was like this odd feeling because it's sort of setting in like, I really didn't know this person, but for a long time, I felt like I did. And now they went and did this and got caught up in this And it becomes this really awkward feeling and clinicians may not necessarily know exactly what that is, which is why it's important to recognize, especially with a, you know, ever growing larger, uh, you know, especially again at 30, like I can't talk to teenagers anymore and it hurts me. Um, Although I'm trying, (laughs) but it's important for us, I think as clinicians to always remember that there are other things going on here as the world sort of changes and becomes more digital. Than anything else,
0: I, I think what you were talking about is when that shell breaks and it cracks. And in psychology, we we call it a persona. And when you're on, like when we even we're streaming here, this is not normally how we how we act or anything along those lines. You get us all together in, in a bar, and it's it's get, it's hands off. Like it's a whole different world. Like we we are have our personas on here right now, and we are our have those specifically for this right here when those crack you get to see the the person um a little bit more and kind of like who who they are and it's not necessarily bad or good or anything like that it's it's our essence it's who we are and where where everyone kind of has a a very similar experience with the same person and they they feel betrayed because their character didn't um didn't feel like it got into a a different type of place there is also a another issue, what we call in the psychology of the collective unconscious coming together, because that's where that that like archetypal image of that persona comes into play, and that's where a lot of the the concerns uh, stem from from a mental health perspective.
3: It reminds just, me of, for, of yeah. misery. <laughs> <laughs> the movie Misery, you know? That's a great
4: example. Uh, yeah, that's like a the great example.
3: example. Oh, Ooh, I'm so going
1: to get yelled at. I don't think I've seen this movie. Could you explain that a little bit?
4: <laughs>
3: it's a Stephen King novel and originally. Um,
1: okay.
3: the, the plot of Misery is that this uh, this writer is tired of writing like this, this series. And he's like, I'm going to kill off this character uh, named Misery. And this super fan is like, no, you will not do that. (laughs) And she uh, locks him in her cabin and breaks his feet. I guess his ankles. Mm -hmm. Um, Real graphic scene with a big old hammer and a block of wood. She hobbles him Is like, can't leave now. Fix it. Because she felt like some ownership over this character that she didn't have. Um, because she was not the author, but she was convinced that this character is, you know, hers. And, and because she had this relationship with misery, she was like, you need to, you're not leaving here until you write a new book and talking about like how she somehow survived and, and, Everything that she wanted for misery was going to happen. So, you know, other stuff happens, and but that's like the the main conceit of the book and the movie. Um And it's totally like just when you guys were talking just now, I was like, this is like misery. <laughs> <laughs> I know this. Or swim fan.
1: Swim fan's another. Oh, swim one.
2: fan's a great example.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So. We're, we're about eight minutes left, so I do kind of want to throw it out, and we do have a question. Um, I did throw it in the Zoom chat, but I'll just read it out loud. Um, so the question is, what about as a streamer with viewers that are consistent in their support and also end up streaming and hope or expect the streamer to be in their stream? What would you guys say to something like that? Or, yeah.
2: that's That's a fantastic question. And for someone who... Uh, I mean, I do stream every week, and uh, it is something where viewers not have really overtly said, "Please come to my stream," but there might be some implications that if I show up to your stream, it's nice for you to come in, and I feel that as someone who streams a little bit, and I'm I'm kind of going, well, maybe I should go in. The area with parasocial relationships is this essence of reciprocity, to where you do not need that reciprocity for something that's parasocial. Um, that is strictly a social relationship trait. The biggest thing that I kept seeing or through our interviews when uh, Ariane, Steph and I were doing those in, uh, in our conventions were, were that most people were treating this like it was like a p- public relations example where they would set up rules and boundaries right off the bat before they even got started because the majority of them would sit there and go, uh, you know, I just thought video games were cool. I was going to put it on camera. And if people thought it was interesting, that's cool. Like that was 90% of what was said. But for the most part, they learned very quickly. And I I love this kind of mentality uh, for people trying to kind of fake it until they make it kind of deal where they would say, I need to establish this boundary. And one of them is, is that you are part of my community. I care about my community, but at the same time, my time to me is very precious. And so because you're part of community doesn't necessarily mean we're friends, doesn't mean that I have to make this, um, that I have to do this. If if I do raid your channel or if I do visit, that's great, but it's something you cannot expect. And laying down those um, rules right off the bat, when you are establishing your channel is something, because I've done a streaming class before. It's so the first things I tell my class, get it done now, because then there is very little wiggle room for a person to get really upset with you or take screenshots of something. If you getting upset on a DM or on Discord or something, because obviously, uh, because what was mentioned is, you know, social media is kind of your own personal PR, um, that you don't want that to reflect on you poorly, especially if you're trying to establish a brand as a caring streamer. So, but having those rules, having that established, having your mods know those rules, and that's another important thing, uh, will help it to where that expectation, you might still have those problems, but they will be less.
1: Yeah. And I, to jump in into, I think there's also this aspect of, as, a, as you know, a person who's trying to stream or wants to stream, like you mentioned, not to have that expectation, but again, to kind of practice that and remember that too, right? We're not, you know, and it, not to sound crass or anything, but we're not necessarily owed anything. We're sort of doing this because we want to and because it's fun. And that's okay, right? We talk about setting boundaries with others, but we also have to set boundaries within ourselves too, you know, and because in the end, that is what is helpful for us, that's what helps us to learn, grow and kind of just be able to adapt to how the environment is going to work around us a little bit too. So there is this I think there's a stronger notion of not to expect anything, but when it does happen, oh, love it, cherish it, praise the hell out of it, be happy about it when it does happen, but don't be angry and upset when it doesn't because that only hurts you more than anything else.
4: I think the nature of support matters too, right? Because I I feel like um when money gets involved, right? You know, it's one thing if like you're a mm-hmm. regular who tunes in on the stream and talks in the chat, but let's say you're someone who donates $100 like every so often, right? Or like some of these crazy streams I've been in where they're like, here's a $1,000 making it rain or gifting 100 subs or something insane, right? And then, you know, I think for some people, that extra layer adds this additional perception of entitlement, right? And again, some of that reciprocity that that becomes expected, right? And like, okay, what's this streamer going to do for me? Are they going to show up in my stream and gift subs and all those kinds of things, right? So um, I just feel like you know some of the the uh, affordances, right? Some of the the capabilities of Twitch and this interactive platform can kind of feed into some of the uglier side of of what we've been talking about as well, right? It's not just following or liking somebody's stuff, but you know, literally feeling like a financial contributor, and you know, as was mentioned earlier, like you, like you own some part of them, right? In, a, right. in a really, like you're a step.
1: shareholder almost
2: in a yeah. sense. As that's a streamer. perfect
4: yeah. way to think of it. Exactly. And, yeah.
2: and a small mm-hmm. note on that: uh, one of my favorite lines that I heard was a streamer telling us, "The rules are the rules, and they apply to everybody, no matter what." Is going on. So they said, yeah, you donate $1,000. That's great. That does not entitle you to be a jerk on my stream. And when that was said, I got goosebumps. I was like, I love that because I feel it too. And I feel like a lot of people who are mentioning on on chat feel the same way is that they like to please people and they don't want to have this mark on their name for you know calling somebody out when they donated so much money or something like that but no it does the rules are the rules and that's what you
1: establish and i think right there is sort of the perfect place where unfortunately we'll have to table this conversation even though we could probably go on for about seven more hours um (laughs) as much as i would love to um so why don't we go around quickly if we can just to again um Uh, say who you are as well as where they can find you on twitter if just in case anybody in the chat has additional questions um so uh, free for all whoever wants to start
4: (laughs) (laughs) i'll start um yeah i'm on twitter so it looks like my twitter handle's right there on the uh, overlay but uh yeah stephanie Orm. I'm pretty active. I tweet, I mean academic stuff, but also weird gaming stuff and, and things about dogs. So if you're interested in that, there there I am.
0: <laughs> I, I would say it's safe to say that Steph has a parasocial relationship, not just with any breed, but with the canines.
4: Yeah. All of them. All of them. <laughs> That's true. Uh
1: Dr. Bean, go ahead. <laughs>
0: Um, you you can find me on online on my personal Twitter at videogame doc or follow us on Geek Therapeutics and you can find us all through social media of just searching for Geek Therapeutics.
1: Awesome, awesome. I'm, I don't I don't want to be the last name, Dr. Yeah, <laughs> 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 sorry. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. You can find me on Twitter at fascia, that's um A F E R C H A U D A. I tweet about really nonsense um so uh the saga of my cat and the orange cat has been on twitter um lsu sports and and things related to that um things related to academia and and being black in academia um video games um had a a nice conversation about whether i should get an xbox you know random stuff. <laughs> don't don't go there if you expect it to be any sort of coherent. But um it
1: tells a story. Absolutely. Does tell a story. And Dr. Emery.
2: Uh I'm at Foos Row Doc. Uh you can see there F F U S R O D O C. Um I tweet a lot about social media. I tweet a lot about uh, things like advertising. I tweet a lot about gaming. Uh, you will get these spells of sports while a game is going on. Fair warning. Uh, but other than that, I have. I think I'm notorious for. If anybody has any questions about things like parasocial relationships, boundaries with streaming, any personal uh, examples, we're going to re uh, we're going to talk about uh, reopening up this study again to kind of have people. Uh, share their feelings, especially in the COVID era. So, but again, I'm always open to talk about it. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. I'm very active on it. And
3: and but not least, a lot of anime
2: gifts too. Absolutely. Oh, and I love anime <laughs> gifts. Yes. We do
1: have <laughs> uh, wars. My name is Matthew. You can find me at uh cryrish 920. I will also be on the spaceship over at the guardians mental health booth, which is right across from St. Jude. So go check out St. Jude and then come by me if you have any questions. Thank you all very much. And thank you all for attending. All the doctors on the panel, thank you so much for your time, your knowledge, your patience. And we'll see everybody on the spaceship. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one, everybody.